Welcome to the Magic and Alchemy podcast, where we talk about witchcraft, setting intentions, forgotten folklore, and mythology. Created by Tamed Wild, Magic and Alchemy is a collection of stories, rituals, and articles crafted by a variety of creators and writers, including myself, Kristen Lizenby, and my co-host, Kate Ballou. Hello and welcome back to the Magic and Alchemy podcast. I'm Kate Ballou. And I'm Kristen Lizenby. How are you, my friend? It's been too long, Kate. <laughs> How was your Yule? How's the fam? How's Banjo? I know it really has. I missed you first. Missed start you. start there. Start the year there. Um, it's been forever, but you know, holiday season, always mixed bag. Went well, though. Mm-hmm. Um Cody, Banjo, and I, we drove to Nashville to see my dad and stepmom. Just a cute little 15-hour drive. (laughs) Um, And then we drove up to Michigan to see my mom and stepdad and siblings, which is great. Great to go to my place of origin. Um, But the apothecary in my hometown hosted a book signing for me. So the Wilderness Maven. Shout out to Jen there um, for the book that Shelby and I wrote together for Tamed Wild, Wild Medicine listeners, which you might remember we did an episode about that. Um, But that was pretty much a dream come true over the solstice season on the full moon, which was really, really nice. Um, But yeah, then I drove back here. I did New Year's Eve with a group of friends, little 80s themed party. Um, It was magical, but now it's, you know, January. It's hermiting, it's working, it's Mm -hmm. reading, it's writing, it's cozy. I'm going to do a little jaunt to Joshua Tree at the end of the month for my birthday, which I'm really excited about. But what about you, Kristen? What's new? Anything of note? How was your solstice? How was your birthday? How was the holidays? Uh, Well, first of all, all that sounds (laughs) amazing. I have so missed you and our chats. And, you know, I wish I could say that my holiday was equally as festive as yours. But the day after the solstice, I came down with a terrible cold. I slept all Christmas Day and have basically been Uh, living on the couch for the past couple of weeks recovering um, and resting. So for anyone out there who also had their holiday plans taken over by sickness um, or something else unexpected, you were not alone. Um, but a little silver lining here because there's always a silver lining. Um, Eric bought me a telescope for my birthday, which wow. is on the solstice. Um, you know, because the visibility here in the Azores is phenomenal. There's hardly any light pollution. And so we have been spending our nights at home looking at Saturn's rings and Jupiter's stripes and nebulas and Sirius, which is so sparkly. Um, and of course the moon. So, you know, not the holiday break I had envisioned, but still really special in its own way. That sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. I love all of that. I mean, the second half of that. um, (laughs) Of course. Um, but yeah, our first episode of 2024, 
Yeah. Um, I would love to pull a small spell for us from our small spells deck, if that sounds good to you. Yes, let's do it. So, listeners, if you don't remember, Kristen and I wrote a small spells deck for Tamed Wild last year. So, I'm going to shuffle and pull a spell for us to start our 2024 off. Ooh, Kristen, we got Abundance as a spell, Yay. which I love. <laughs> I'll take it. Yes, yeah, same. Same for all of us. Um, and the spell reads as this. Abundant blessings I can see already existing in front of me with gratitude I call this to be. So hmm. again, abundant blessings I can see already existing in front of me with gratitude I call this to be. And like Robin always says, three times for magic. Abundance. Abundance blessings I can see already existing in front of me with gratitude I call this to be. So mote it be or something better. Happy New Year. I love that. Um, And for anyone who isn't familiar with the small spells deck, this deck is an offering of simple spells and incantations to make practicing daily magic more attainable. Um, And it's available on the Tamed Wild site, so we'll be sure to link that in our notes for today. And... In thinking about our words as spells, these conversations as spells, um, as Kate and I so often tell each other, today's episode feels very much like a spell um, and a special one. And I'm so happy to cast it with you today, Kate. Same. So special. And we can't take all the credit because it was 100% inspired by a listener question from a few months back. Someone wrote in asking us, what is the connection between the witch and the bitch? And Kate, I remember we were intrigued. It Mm -hmm. was so different from the normal questions we get. And a quick internet search will suggest that there is no connection between these two words besides them sounding similar. Um, And so this is a great reminder not to believe everything you read on the internet because a couple of weeks after we received this question, I was flipping through a book and magically landed on a page that was talking about this exact thing, the witch and the bitch. Um, And it was then that we decided this conversation deserved an entire episode. A little bibliomancy. I love that that's how that mm-hmm. came to fruition. Um, yeah. Yeah. The question was from uh, my friend Jennifer Elsner. So, hi, Jennifer. I miss you. <laughs> Thank you for sending <laughs> this question our way. I was texting with her last night and I was like, we're going to do it. <laughs> oh, cool. So, I got permission to give her a little shout out. But, um, The way that Jennifer's brain works is just amazing. She's an artist and a designer and a a big inspiration to me. So thank you, Jennifer, for encouraging us to think outside of the box, to explore this aspect of magic, the history of these archetypes, and the web of words and magic that reach back into history, reaching and unfurling their fingers to us in the present day. Thank you so much, Jennifer. Now let's get into it. 
claims otherwise, it's hard to believe that the witch and the bitch wouldn't be related, or at least share some contextual overlap. Both of these words are associated with women, a witch being a magical practitioner, as we all know, and a bitch being a female hound. But curiously, for many years, these words have been used not so much in their literal sense, but more often as insults towards women, although I think we're doing a fantastic job of reclaiming them. So why is that? Surely it can't be coincidence, right? The witch and the bitch must have something in common. Barbara Walker agrees that it's no fluke and suggests that bitch became a naughty word in Christian Europe because it was the most sacred title of the goddess, Artemis or Diana, who roamed the wild wood with the Scythian Alani, her famous hunting dogs. Artemis's crescent-shaped bow is her most talked-about tool, but let's not forget that she was flanked by a pack of hounds who both protected her and killed for her. Supposedly, it was the god Pan who gifted Artemis with her famous hounds. He gave her two black and white dogs, three red ones, and one spotted. He also gave her seven Kynosaurian female hounds, a breed that was said to be unmatched in their tracking ability. Bitches swifter than the winds. So, if any of you listeners out there did the math, that means a pack of 13 hounds, 13 bitches, protected and served our goddess of the moon and guardian of children, a number that's cosmically woven into the hearts of witches. The more I thought about this connection, the more I realized that Artemis herself is also a bitch, or at least half, because her mother Leto was a wolf goddess. Although Artemis and her twin brother Apollo were raised by their four-legged mother, eventually the young gods became too powerful, and she sent them to live atop Mount Olympus with their father, Zeus. In the way that we talk about the great goddess— Artemis was known as the Great Bitch. Her priestesses were bitches, they sometimes wore canine masks, and there is reason to believe that the phrase son of a bitch was a slur invented and used by Christians of yesteryear who wanted to insult Artemis's followers and pagan goddess worshippers in general. If we look at the Roman world, we meet the goddess Lupa the mother of the mythical founders of Rome, Romulus and Remus. Lupa was sometimes called the wolf bitch, and if you were part of her cult, you were likely called a harlot or a bitch. Walker says that the name of Lupa's priestesses, the Lupi, was the same name given to sex workers. In addition to the cults of Artemis, Leto, and Lupa, I would love to go back a bit further and introduce us to the great bitch Sarama, the leader of the Vedic Dogs of Death. From the article, The Indian Great Goddess, author Stella Cramrish says that while the lunar goddess Sarama often appears as a woman um, in artwork and stories, it was her guise as a canine that is most memorable. She writes, her second figure, impetuous and undaunted, is the shape of a bitch, although not definitely proved, Sarama's name seems to derive from Sar. S-A-R, to speed. 
Her story is told in the Rig Veda, and subsequently she is known as the mother of all dogs. Perhaps because of their shared root, Sar, Sarama is associated with Saranyu, a goddess and wife of the sun, and Sarasvati, goddess of music and knowledge and art and flowing water. Sarama is sometimes called she who runs, manifesting as a, quote, speeding goddess, a vague description that might suggest a rushing river. Regardless of her manifestations, Sarama is swift, she's powerful, the first dogess, as she is sometimes called. In addition to being the mother of dogs, legend says she loves anyone and anything that has claws. Walker says that Sarama was the Vedic bitch goddess, mother of the brindled dogs, of the death god Yama, who are westernized first as the Celtic hounds of Anun, and then as the Christian hounds of Hell. Srama was the eastern form of the huntress, known in classical mythology as Artemis, Diana, or Hecate. Like other huntress figures, she symbolized the death-dealing function of the goddess, who implacably hunted down all whose time of dissolution had come, according to the cycles of karma. Today, many of us, including myself, view dogs as friendly companions. They are human's best friend, they're loyal, and very much a part of our families. But in many cultures, dogs allude to death. It might be viewed as a type of psychopomp or walker between worlds, a facet that is often glossed over in mythical tales. Many times throughout my research, I saw the dog compared to a vulture and a companion of the dead on their, quote, night sea crossing. The dog's association with the underworld makes total sense, at least to me, when I remember that the bitch is the companion of the witch and the moon goddesses who never shy away from endings, death, and cyclical transformation. So, then I suppose I shouldn't have been surprised when I remembered that two dogs can be found on the moon card in tarot. Howling, snouts to the sky, there are countless interpretations of this card and what these canines might symbolize. But after all my research, it looks to me as if these dogs are speaking to the moon, um, you know, maybe announcing themselves to the unseen, perhaps receiving the dead and protecting our lunar threshold and the goddess who rules this realm. In the Ryder Coleman Smith deck, which is the one I use most often, there are many animal companions that make appearances. And the dog shows up on the Fool card um, and the Ten of Pentacles in addition to the Moon card. But I think what I find the most interesting is that the Moon is the only card where the dogs um, are not accompanied by a human. And I don't have any answers as to why, but I think it's something really interesting to reflect on. And I just find it so curious that despite hearing my entire life that the dog is man's best friend, it would appear that this creature is actually quite fond of women and mothers, huntresses, and the dead. 
alongside the goddess, the dog has not been tamed, for the goddess herself would never dream of masking her primal nature or that of her familiar. Like the witch, the bitch appears as both guide and guardian, ushering us into the other world and back, teaching us to howl at the moon, find our pack or coven, when to bark back and when to bare our teeth. Friends, witches, when was the last time you received some magic in the mail? Whether you're in the mood for tea, tarot, witchy books, or enchanting ritual tools to help you cast your next spell, the new Tamed Wild quarterly box seems to know exactly what we need. This seasonal delivery of magic and earth medicine is hand-selected by the Tamed Wild Coven, and because words are indeed spells, my favorite part of this offering is that it includes a beautiful workbook with astrological updates, intention-setting guidance, and three rituals to inspire the magic maker within. To learn more and sign up for the Tamed Wild box, visit tamedwild.com and click on subscriptions. When I first read this question from Jennifer, the first thing I heard in my head was the chant from Practical Magic, which, which, you're a bitch, and how Sally Owens responds by saying, you think that they would come up with a better rhyme. And she's not wrong. Language has been used as a weapon against women for as long as patriarchy has been around. But it reminds me that wherever there is a wound, there is a space for reclamation. And so, like the term we've referenced before, witch wound, I imagine that there is also a bitch wound. In a paper titled Bitches and Skankly Hoebags, The Place of Women in Contemporary Slang, from a larger piece of work called Gender Articulated, edited by Kira Hall and Mary Bouchaltz, Lauren A. Sutton concludes that the vast landscape of language seems to be a male construct in which women are talked about and talked to, but do not themselves speak. In the late 80s and early 90s, two groups of graduate students at UCLA and UC Berkeley went into the field to compile a list of slang terms used to refer to women and another list for men. They eavesdropped on conversations overheard in public and recorded any relevant terms. Once the data was in front of them, they found that 90% of the slang terms they recorded for women described them either as objects, prostitutes, dumb, rude, or evil, as opposed to the slang terms for men— 46 of which were negative. I'll link this paper and these studies in our show notes in case you're interested in diving more into the etymology of this word. And I'm really excited to weave these stories together and reclaim them today. I loved your thread about Artemis Kristen, and I wanted to take hold of this and weave in our beloved Hecate, goddess of the crossroads, poisonous plants, witchcraft, and of course, often pictured with her hellhounds. In the words of Virgil, quote, a bane of hounds was heard through the half-light, the goddess was coming, Hecate. Or pictured like this in the Argonautica, quote, Bane of hounds, loud as that which rings at the grim gate of Hades, or from Hecate's escort of black hounds to the world above, end quote. 
Hecate is a goddess who is a liminal goddess, known for keeping the three keys to the heavens, our mortal world, and the underworld, and traveling easily between the three as a psychopomp. She's a dark moon goddess, a triple goddess sometimes, and is known for her Thessalian priestesses, those who would draw down the moon in ancient Thessaly, perhaps the first coven of witches. And to me, it's no surprise that Hecate is associated with the hounds or bitches, much like our divine archer and goddess of the moon, Artemis. Dogs are liminal beings, companions traveling between this world and the next. As we've spoken about before, the three-headed dog, Cerberus, is the guardian of these gates to which Hecate keeps the keys. The link between Artemis and Hecate is visually striking and apparent, both pictured in tunics carrying torches, flanked by hounds and serpents. But interestingly, the two may be linked through their mothers, that the birthplace of Artemis was Delos, but that it used to be called Asteria. Sarita de Este mentions these thoughts in her book, Artemis, Virgin Goddess of the Sun and Moon. But going further back, as we discussed in our episode, Mothers of Monsters and Magic, Hecate is born to the Titan, Asteria, who turns into an island to save her sister Leto, who gives birth there to Artemis and Apollo, like you mentioned, Kristen. And to honor her sister, she puts the temples of Apollo there on Delos so that her sister Asteria will never be lonely. There are many versions where Selene, Artemis, and Hecate create the triple goddess, and they are one in the same, but I like to think of them here as a family. To me, this is a story of women and community. They are a pack, and Artemis and Hecate are cousins, perhaps linked by their patronage, their mothers who sacrificed and dedicated their bodies for each other, meaning, and when they look up to the moon or commune with their sacred beasts, their hounds, their bitches, they are reminded where they came from. Dogs are symbols of loyalty in many cultures, and Grandmother Twyla Nitsch, Seneca Elder, has a book called Creature Teachers, and in it she writes about the dog, quote, Dogs became friends to walk on earth and devoted their lives grounding their worth. Thank the great mystery for serving the need as Mother Earth sanctioned her loyal creed. What shall we call them? Entered each thought. Canine was their name, the breed begot. Different sizes their bodies took form, suiting the needs. Guardians were born. So here, we're weaving bitch as archetype, bitch as dog, bitch as sacred hound, and bitch as witch, but in all these iterations, I love to think of the bitch as a guardian. When I think of our favorite mythic characters, Medusa, Lilith, of course Artemis, Hecate, like we've mentioned, they've all been labeled as a bitch. Unruly, can't be tamed, protector of the divine feminine and the dark moon. They've been kicked out of the Garden of Eden, associated with serpent. Plus, there's always the fun fact that Medusa, for example, means guardian when translated. So, dear listener, if anyone has ever pointed their finger at you and labeled you a bitch or a witch, hold open your hands and hold these words and their histories tenderly, because they don't know what they say. What they deem curse, you can now know as blessing. You are one of the thirteen, a keeper of the hounds and keys, a goddess of the moon, someone who remembers, honors, and celebrates the cyclical. You are divine. Thank you 
you so much for joining us today on Magic and Alchemy, a podcast from Tamed Wild. Again, we're Kristen Lizenby and Kate Ballou. You can find us online at Easton Alchemy and at K8Ballou. Send us all of your questions, comments, or just say hello via email at podcast at tamedwild.com. You can view all the amazing offerings from Tamed Wild on their Instagram at Tamed Wild or on the blog tamedwild.com. Join us back here in two weeks with a very special guest. Just a reminder that magic and alchemy are always available to those who know where to look for it. So mote it be or something better. Until next time.